everybody. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Theology. I'm yeah. here with uh, Pastor Ian. My name is Guy Parkerson. Um, glad you're here with us. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go over something really fast. We've got a really nice uh, conference coming up here soon. We do. April 29 and 30. It's a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Uh, an apologetics conference. Biola University out of California puts them on. Which is... Huge. Yeah. I mean, world-renowned seminary. Yeah. Uh, we, we love what they're doing. Conservative, great folks. And their apologetics department, which is not it's not a conference on how to apologize. No. You know, the, the Greek word apologia means defense. So it's how to defend your faith. Uh, how, not, how not just to know what you believe, but why uh, you believe it. So they're bringing in three world-renowned apologists, philosophers. Uh, who are, they'll be here live. This isn't, you know, simulcasts or streamed. They're here in person. And we're going to have great sessions Friday night and Saturday morning looking at archaeology. How do we know this, you know, the, the, the Bible is true? What's the right Christian response to issues like homosexuality in our day? Uh, just to help everyone who comes draw up this is how we understand the defense of our faith and the, the grounding of the truth that it is for us. It's going to be excellent. So you can I get agree. on our website, uh, broadwaycc.org, and register right there through the link on the events page and goes right to it. I think it's 35 bucks, something like that. I mean, it's nothing uh, for a cost uh, for, for such great events, and we're, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be blessed by it all. We'll certainly yeah. benefit. And God uses multiple ways to bring people to him, and mm -hmm. 100% God used apologetics on me. And I know that's not for everybody, Yeah. but I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm tickled that Broadway even wanted to do something oh, like this, so I, I, you, I'm really ecstatic. So and excited Michael Beavers it. had a huge uh, part in this, didn't he, he? He was the one who set it all up. Yeah. He inquired with Biola, in fact, about doing a, a graduate degree program with them in the field of apologetics, and it turned into a conversation about these conferences. And normally they do these conferences in environments of 5,000 people in the audience. Well, our auditorium doesn't hold 5,000. It holds a little over 400. Uh, and they're wanting to get into smaller environments in areas where you know, people don't have access to these kinds of events. We're the guinea pig. We're one of their first environments mm -hmm. that's smaller uh, for people in our region to have access to something they don't normally have access to. What a gift that is to our church and to our community. The Q and A's are fun. The question oh, and answers, because yep. you didn't know, the, yep. they are, they're fun. Yep. Because you can come at them with whatever you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And um, yep. if they don't know the answer, they'll, they'll provide one for yep. you. They'll, they'll push you to a resource that will help yep. you. And uh, there's, they're, they're gonna be selling some resources as well, books and all, all of that. Uh, so, I mean, it's just gonna be a feast for that Friday night and Saturday, April 29 and 30. Uh, that's really going to benefit anybody, no matter where they're out on the faith spectrum, it's going to benefit them. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, yeah. I'm looking it, forward it, to it. it. it I, and I hope to interview at least one of them. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Or, you so. know, it, have one of them join our yeah. podcast. Yeah. For, we'll see what their schedule is when they're here, but that's, that's the hope. We'll mm -hmm. get a chance to sit down with Exciting stuff. at least one of them. Okay. So, uh, Acts 5, yeah. 17 through 32. Yeah. You know, it, on the face of it, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot going on here. Um, mm -hmm. But you get down into, I, I happen to love, 30, 31, and 32. We'll work right our very way. End. Yeah. That mm -hmm. is good stuff. Peter is a little irritated by um, the, the Sanhedrin or the Sadducees um, yeah. telling him what to do. And so let's, but let's do, uh, let's do this. You know, 
I think for the church in general, we're pretty familiar with what a Pharisee is. Mm -hmm. Um, But this text is kind of pulling out the Sadducees. Could you you kind of define what a Sadducee is versus a Pharisee? Yeah, absolutely. The the Jewish society in Jesus' day is ruled by two parties. There's a third one called the Essenes, but they're kind of off doing their own thing out in the desert. Uh, there are these two major parties, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus sparred with both of them uh, during uh, his life and ministry, primarily with Pharisees. He, he sparred with them. So the, the Pharisees are the more theologically conservative ones, and we'll talk about them here this coming week. Um, very tight in, in what they believe. Uh, very holy in the way that they live. In fact, the word Pharisee means separate one. Uh, you know, they viewed themselves as separate from the rest of society. And uh, they ran the local synagogues all throughout uh, the, the region. The Sadducees run the temple in Jerusalem. They are politically powerful, which was their goal. Uh, they have lots of money, lots of resources at their disposal. You know, The temple was a money-making machine. Uh, so they're they're taking advantage of all of that. They are kind of sellouts with Rome, so they're you know conspiring with Rome and and, and working together with them. So, fast. so when Jesus entered the temple and is flipping over tables, is that in defiance of the Sadducees? Yes. So you because know, uh-huh. they've set I up put that together. Yeah. So they've set up all these you know, uh, th- this little market uh, of selling these animals, so outsiders will come in and. They're bringing you know, their lamb or whatever for a sacrifice. Well, once they get it there, they've traveled some distance from home. And wow, their, their animal just isn't quite going to cut it. It's not flawless enough. But here you can purchase ours for this exorbitant rate uh, on site. And this one is acceptable to God. They were making millions mm-hmm. a year. I never put that in, in these resources, which is what bothered Jesus so much. So when he quotes... Uh, my my father's house will be a house of prayer. The rest of that verse out of Isaiah is it's a house of prayer for the nations. So you know, these these other nations are coming in, and you out of your greed are blocking them from coming in and worshiping God, uh, and you're taking advantage of them financially. All that's being run by the Sadducees. Uh, so again, they're loose theologically. They deny the resurrection. They deny heaven and hell. They deny the reality of angels. They only believe the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis to Deuteronomy, that's only God's word. Everything else gets rejected. Uh, So they're denying the majority of the Bible as true. It's not trustworthy. Um, And and they have all the power. So the the Sanhedrin, this ruling council uh, that it's like the Senate, the, the Jewish Senate, uh, is majority Sadducee. It's got some Pharisees in it, but they're the minority party, uh, which we'll see again in the text this next week. They're, there's just a few of them. Uh, so they're super powerful, super influential, very wealthy, and again, theologically liberal in every sense of the word. So the Pharisees would be considered the conservative party. They're the conservative party. And the Sadducees would be considered the liberal party. They're the party. liberal party. Gotcha. Yeah, so a two-party system, very much like our own you know, government here, and we understand the conservative versus liberal. They're, they're the same way politically and the same way theologically. Um, mm. they're, and and they're, they're in charge. So this is why they hate the apostles preaching. Jesus rose from the dead, 
And because of that, he can offer you eternal life. They deny all of that. That's going to put them out of business. Yes, too, they, yes, they don't believe any of that that stuff. So they want to shut down the apostles as much as possible, and and they try. Uh, they they arrest them, threaten them. Now they've been arrested a second time here in Acts five, and uh, it, it's getting ready. The persecution is getting ready to escalate, which we'll see here uh, in the text for this next week and in subsequent chapters. Really culminating in chapter seven uh, with the first martyr. Uh, for the faith. So they're, they're angry and they're bumping up their methods. Eventually, they're going to assassinate some of the early church leaders. Uh, they want to now, but they, they haven't quite pulled that trigger. They're gonna here in the not too distant future. Well, you had mentioned in your sermon that religious leaders are the real threat. It wasn't Rome. No. It, it was these no. guys. It, yeah, the, the Roman government wasn't necessarily the threat. They were a threat, uh, but they, they couldn't have cared less about the Jewish religion and about these new Christians. They, they don't care about any of that. As long as they don't revolt and as long as they pay their taxes, Rome doesn't care. The threat to the gospel is the religious status quo, the, the Sadducees. Uh, it's those who deny the truth of the Bible. It's those who reject core doctrines of the faith, yet claim to be true followers. Those are the ones who are undermining the, the, the faith and doing the most damage, they're the ones ensuring that all of us get labeled as hypocrites. Because they, they say one thing that they are this, but then they deny what actually makes them that, and everybody sees it. And everybody knows that you're just a hypocrite, you're two-faced, that's not real for you. You're a false believer. Uh, but the problem is they're really good at their deception. So that's the threat to the gospel. It's the, the religious establishment, not a secular government. Now, a secular government can be a threat. Absolutely the case. Uh, they can do damage to the gospel. Because we've seen that. I mean, oh, it's the absolutely. Communist Party is not real friendly towards any religion. No. I mean, read what's happening in China. Read what's yeah. happening in North Korea. Uh, you, it, at times in Russia and you know, in you know, Southeast Asia, and what's happening in these militant Hindu and Muslim countries. Um, and they, they're executing Christians in the street. Uh, you get caught with a Bible, you hope to get arrested and not, not assassinated. Mm. Uh, so these things are very, very real. Um, but just like we see in the book of Acts, wherever that's happening, the underground church thrives. So bring it on. It, it always thrives in a place of harsh persecution. Yeah. The other thing that I kind of wanted to go over, I found it fascinating that the Sadducees wouldn't even mention the name of Christ. Yeah. They refer to him as yeah. um, this man. This man. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Why do you. I mean, was saying his name just that repulsive to them? So there, there's some. There's some of that. I think there's also some superstition in there. I mean, it's a documented historical thing that the, the, the Jewish leaders, those in opposition to Christianity, didn't even want to say his name. Uh, they so rejected him. Uh, I mean, obviously they killed him. Mm -hmm. you know, they've so rejected him. Um, but you know, if you pay attention to what Peter has preached, uh, you know, think of example, you know, he, the, the lame man in chapter 3 is healed. And Peter and John are arrested called to account for you know, preaching what they've preached. What is it that Peter says to them? It is by the name of Jesus that this man stands before you well. So the name of Jesus itself has power. So out of superstition uh, and awareness of if this name has power, I don't even want to say it. I, I, I want to be as far removed from even saying the name as possible. Because if, if this name has power to it, it's not even going to come out of my mouth. 
so they they've rejected all all of this so much so um, I'm not even going to say his name. Mm. What what hatred yeah. that they have for this Jesus? So those who are religious who claim affection for Jesus, they're that that's all false. Uh, they they don't love him. They hate him. Yeah. Those who reject the core doctrines of the faith hate him. Well, that, that that leads us into what I thought was the meat of this this text that we went through. It was. Um, Peter in once again just one hundred percent opposition and defiance. Yeah, I mean he's lucky they just didn't drag him off uh-huh. um, and execute him right there because yeah. the the uh, the Sadducees are demanding him to to stop. They, they even lie and they make it sound like the disciples were the ones responsible for the death of Jesus. Yeah, you're going to bring his blood on us. And this literally just happened not, months ago. Months ago. Yeah, and now they're trying to say that. And, and Peter in beautiful defiance. And also, once again, you can't help but notice what a changed man. Oh, goodness gracious. And thank you for bringing that up. That is so such a potent truth of the book of Acts. Because you read the gospel accounts. Who is Peter? Peter's a bumbling fool. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, and I think Acts 4 is correct by using the Greek word idiotes to refer to Peter and the apostles. I mean, they're idiots. Um, they're they're Uneducated common men, Acts 4, the word common is idiotes. Uh, and you read through the gospel accounts, Peter is brash, harsh, uh, you know, open mouth, insert foot. He blurts all the time, doesn't know the nonsense that he's saying. But now, in the book of Acts, once Acts opens, the man is a lion. He is ferocious. What changed? I think there are two primary points to make. One, he's been personally mentored by Jesus himself. Uh, not just for the three years of his life in ministry, but in the opening verses of the book of Acts, uh, for those 40 days between uh, Jesus' resurrection and his ascension in Acts 1, Jesus has been teaching the apostles, teaching those early believers. So he's been personally taught all of this great doctrine that comes out in his sermons Secondly, he's experienced a resurrected Christ. Uh, that's the difference maker, is this is now the other side of the resurrection. Peter sees the truth. Jesus has risen from the dead, and that changes everything, and now he's fearless. And again, resurrected people are always fearless. Mm-hmm. He's, what can you do to me? Kill me? Fine. I have eternal life. Yeah. Who, who cares? And that comes out, and we've already seen it in his sermons. Um, God has raised this Jesus from the dead. I mean, that is the core of of his preaching, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because that reality made all the difference in Peter's life, which is what we celebrate as a culture this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday. The the message of God has raised Jesus from the dead, that changes everything, absolutely everything. And it's obvious that Peter, but so... Yeah, definitely. I want to go ahead and read the last four. So we strictly command you. I gotta put my glasses on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, have cheaters. I know. I, I'm full time cheaters. So we strictly command you not uh, not to continue teaching in the name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and intend to bring his this man's blood upon us. So mm-hmm. they're I mean they're telling Peter 
stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for the death of Christ. And Peter's yeah, response is just, I lo I it's love wonderful. Response. So Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than man. Mm -hmm. Right there is already inst instigating a fight. Yep. And then he says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Boom. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's it right that's, there, right? That's irritating them even yeah. more. Whom you put to death by hanging him on a tree. This one God exalted to his right hand as the leader and savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. I mean, he, that, is a, that is an incredible statement. I mean, and the reason why it's so incredible is because they're doing, Peter is doing exactly what he was just commanded not to do to the Sadducees. To their face. To their face. Right? I mean, again, this is, this is the most powerful group in the land yeah. who have all the authority, who've ordered you to stop, and then you continue, who have let you know they're so offended at, at this message that, oh, we're responsible for the death of Jesus. And Peter just pokes the bear. Yep. And, and he, he goes beyond. He doesn't poke the bear. He walks up to the bear and slaps, slaps it in the face. It. Yeah. You know, well, we, we must obey God rather than men. And then translation the and walks away. I don't answer to you. Yeah. yeah we're not going to do what you say because we don't answer to you. The way that I phrased it in the sermon this last week was, you're not in our chain of command. Like, you can bark orders all day long. This is not your realm of authority. So, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. I'm not stopping is yes, what Yes, yeah. but then to, to lay it all out, whom you put to death, uh, put to death, you the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. These are men who don't believe in the resurrection. No. So I mean, he, but the God of our fathers, our fathers, our fathers, yes, not yours, so, not mine. So he's ours. He, he's saying this is true of all of us. Mm -hmm. He's our Father, and this is who His Son is. To verse thirty-one, to grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. What's He telling them? You you need to repent before God because you're guilty of sin before Him. Um, he can save you. This is highly evangelistic. I mean, this is the gospel. But guys, you've blown it, and you need to repent before God. Well, and I mean, so how incredible! Who grants repentance? God does. God does. Yeah. They're making a claim that Jesus is God, and only He can grant. Give the gift once again. I'm seeing a sovereign God. Yeah, absolutely. God has to give that to you. You yeah. can't. You, you can't just take it. You can't do it on your own. It's a gift. Yep. And it's not just the which repentance. is why they don't. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't. Uh, they're, they're not convinced of all this because God hasn't flipped that switch. Uh, with them yet, but the offer's there. It, it's it's absolutely there. But uh, we we offer it indiscriminately, mm -hmm. and then God will save whom He's going to save. And I, I think even you know, the the blow continues in verse thirty two. Oh, I was waiting. For we you. are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Uh, so God, the Holy Spirit, is on our side, not yours. He's on our side. He he's witness to all of these things, whom God has given to those who obey Him. So. Who has the Spirit? Because they're not obeying Him. We do. Yep. You've rejected Him. You don't even have God's Spirit with you. You aren't believers. You've rejected this Jesus. So you think that you are so loyal to God when in reality you're unsaved. Um, this is why John, the Apostle John who's there, will write later in 1 John, He who has the Son has the Father, and he who does not have the Son does not have the Father. So if you reject Jesus... You're out, period. Jesus is the only way to get in. John 14, 6, uh, as Jesus lays out on the way, the truth of life, no one comes to the Father but by me. All of that's being reinforced here, that you know, Jesus is the centerpiece. 
of the gospel and of salvation. And if you reject him, God rejects you. Another thing that I spotted out of 32 is very Trinitarian. Oh, absolutely. You've, you've all three got of the Father, right there. The Son, Son, and the Spirit and, yeah. all, all there together. Because the gospel is Trinitarian. Uh, you know, we talked about this some uh, even earlier this morning. Uh, I'm writing my doctoral dissertation right now, and I'm studying Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Uh, one sentence in the Greek, and it's divided up into three very distinct sections, each of them ending with, to the praise of his glory. It's a praise section. The first one is God the Father, who's predestined us to salvation, who, who chose us in him before the creation of the world. This is salvation plan. This is what God the Father has done. And then there's salvation accomplished uh, of what Jesus has done. In him, we have forgiveness. His word. Redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the centerpiece of this. And then it ends, verses 13 and 14, uh, and, and we've been sealed by the work of the Holy Spirit. So salvation itself is Trinitarian. All three members of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all play a role in accomplishing your salvation. Isn't this incredible stuff? It's awesome. I, I awesome. Just, I don't see how people can't get excited about this. I, I, to understand the fact that all of who God is saves you. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That there is no part of God who second guesses there's no part of God that rejects you. There's no part of God that says, you know, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't have done that. God is perfectly united with himself in his overwhelming desire to save sinners like us. I love it. We were dead. We were dead in our transgressions. We, we did nothing. Ephesians chapter two. Yeah. Good stuff, Ian, my goodness. Yeah. It's, again, when you dig into this stuff, who, who could ever say, Theology is boring and irrelevant. It's neither of those yeah. things. But we also have the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us too. Who enlightens yeah. and illuminates and, and opens up our eyes to the beauty of the truth of Scripture. How great it is. It really is great. Mm -hmm. Ian, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to next week. Me too. Okay. Have a good day. Yeah, you too.